Kellen. Thunder, lightning, and wind all around you. You step through the gate opened by Atonia. I step through it. Stepping out, you find yourself in a strange place. For a moment, you're in a sort of passageway. It's very well lit, bright, and you can feel firm floor beneath your feet, but you can't really make out anything around you. It's just shapeless and bright. And then after a moment, you feel a tug around your navel as you're yanked forward. And then you fall. Not far, just down onto your knees. Can I see in front of me? Yes, you look around and you're actually surrounded by daisies. Actually, looking around a little more, you would realize that you're in a small field of daisies. Like a a garden of daisies. Oh, I'm back home. You are. You look around and you recognize this as the small garden of daisies back behind the house dimble where you and your mother have put this memorial for Irma. You look behind you and you see that this gate is still open. And after just a few moments as you gather your bearings and rise to your feet slowly, for you're still not feeling so great. Your body is still pretty wounded from everything that you just went through. But after a couple of moments, that short, coffee-skinned figure steps out again. Oh. Hey. How's it going? Hello there, Kellen. Uh, I brought you home. Hopefully that's where you wanted to go. (laughs) Yeah, This isn't a taxi service, so don't get used to it. I guess I should probably go check on the other ones. Yeah. She turns to step back through the gate. I got one more question. Oh, yeah? Well, uh, okay. I, I guess I've got time for one question. Where do they go? And he points to the gravestone. Well, it depends, I guess. You mean when, when people when people die? Well, of course. Death. Ugh. Yeah. I really like talking about this sort of stuff, honestly. Could we? you have anything else you want to ask about? No, I'm pretty certain. Where do they go? Well, you know, Dervetter, my... Beloved, he's the god of death. He ushers them on to wherever they're supposed to go. The good ones. And Irma was one of the good ones. You don't have to worry about her. But I really should be going. Thank you for, you know, what you did. Yeah. Whatever. She steps through the portal. And it closes behind her. Well, I made it back. So... I guess I might as well just go check on mom and pop. Make my way to the tree, open up the door, walk up in it. You approach the door, and it's closed, but you go to feel for it, and it opens easily. It's not locked or anything like that. You step inside, and the spiral staircase leading up through the tree takes you up. You come to the first landing, and there's a second door. Mom! Dad! I'm home! Hello? There's no immediate response. Hello? Mom? Dad? I'm in the living room, right? Mm-hmm. Living area and stuff? Yes. I'm like checking around. You walk around, you go over, you see your dad's workstation there. It looks like he has been today, very recently, working on some new things, potions or what have you, dealing with his alchemy. Huh. 
that must have been working on something new. Who knows? I guess I'm going to go check their bedroom. You go to the second landing. Yeah. The staircase leading to your parents' bedroom. The door's open. You step through. There's no one inside. Where the heck did they go? I'm going to go check in my room real quick. You step across the little yeah, bridge. bridge that leads over to your side of the house. Your door is open. That's weird. I'm pretty certain that Jim left this closed when we left. I'm going to go check in it real quick. You peek your head inside, and you see your dad sitting there. Dad? He looks up at you, and holding in his hand, he has some little figurines that are yours, whittled out of some wood that are there. It looks like he was just looking at them, and he has tears in his eyes. And when what? he sees you, he just looks shocked. What What happened? What? What's going on? Kellen. Yeah. Kellen. And he gets up and runs and just picks you up in a big embrace. Oh, Dad, Kellen, what, what? Boy, I, we we thought you were, we thought you were dead. I've only been gone for a little bit, Dad. What are you talking about? What? What? Where? Where have you been, son? Where? Where have you gone? Your Your mother, she's gone looking for you. What? You, I was. I told you that we were going to the oh, canopy. Yeah. Yes. There was How a, did you get out? What are you talking about? Did you never make it to the canopy? No, Where have you been? Dad, what? We, okay, the stone. We had, There was a lot of factors in that, Dad, but I, I, what do you mean the canopy? What? We thought you were dead for sure. We, we spoke with the ferryman who helped you all get across and his daughter, Trindle. We went searching for you. Your mother did. We, uh... Where have you been, son, for the last six weeks? Six weeks? There's no way. We have we. It was just literally a few days. Wait, okay, listen. Your mother and I have been looking for you for over a month since we received word from the Circle of Atonia that the canopy had been destroyed, that your, that your Wait, granddad what? was missing. The canopy was destroyed? It was attacked by some black beast... They say it was like shadow and oil, <sighs> darkness incarnate. It wiped out the entire city. Oh, my God. Plenty of people survived, but many did not, son. Your grandfather, Elevonre's, there's no sign of him. No body. No one knows where he is. We, uh, we haven't been able to find him, son. I wonder if he's in the garden. What garden? Where where have you been? Your mother is marching across Fallen Grove looking for your body. Dad, you remember when we were talking about the grove and where we wanted to go, where we had to go? Yeah, something about a tree and a stone. Well, we made it. What, you found it? You found... Dad, the grove was not here. It was not on this plane of existence. My granddad... Elevonre had to send us to a different plane. Your grandfather sent you to another plane? It was the only way to stop what was going after the stone. Dad, we fought a dragon and and a woman who wait, 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 who tried wait. to claim the stone and Wait, wait, wait. You mean like a like a drake? No. Or... Dad, like an actual dragon. Wait, are you saying that you Met one of the Dracon Kelly themselves? Yes, Dad. And that Dracon no. Kelly stole the stone. 
Okay. Listen, Kellen, I, I don't know anything about where's, all of this. Where is mom? We need we need to go meet. She's, I need to go talk to her. She's with the druids. She's up near the canopy. They're, I guess, canvassing the forest. Well, They're, then we've got to go there quickly. I need quickly. to talk to her. I mean, it's a couple weeks' journey, Kellen. So you look like you've been through death. Look at you. you. You've got blood all over you. Is that is that your blood? And you look down, and your clothes are littered with blood, and you're pretty sure that not all of it is yours. Dad, I'm going to be honest. I don't think this is all mine either. Kellen, what, um, what happened to the paladin, the human, and your crazy elf friend? The paladin, Sir Vance, he lived, but... His friend Guy did not. Oh, man. And then... I, I hate to hear that. Lorik the elf, the wizard, the crazy one. Yeah, the, the one we helped save, yeah. He's, where, where is he? He's somewhere in that plane where his body is. He did not make it. His body? Yeah. Jim made it. Jim, I don't... <sighs> Kellen, I'm sorry, son. This is the reason that I never really took on a life of adventuring. It all sounds great in the stories, but more often than not, it's it's littered with a trail of, of blood. But we didn't finish what we started. We may have stopped what is coming for maybe a little bit, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, and that that's why I need to talk to Mom. Well, Kellen, look, that's not your responsibility. You've done your part. Dad, it is my responsibility. Listen, son, you've been gone long enough. Things are not good in Fallen Grove. The canopy has been destroyed. You, Son, you don't understand how much of Atonia's power was manifested in the canopy. Your grandfather held this forest together. We do need to go find your mother. Look, I, 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 was, I was about to leave. I was just, um, well, I thought you were gone, son. I'm not going to lie. I, I'd pretty much already lost hope, but... Here, just, you've, you've got some things. Let me just grab my bag. It's downstairs. We, we do need to go. We, I'm supposed to meet your mother at the canopy as soon as I can. Well, then we can go right now. Grenuncle sets about to gathering some things very quickly. He already has a bag mostly packed downstairs. Dad, do you have any type of healing potions that I can chug yeah, really son. quick? Yes, 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 I, I do. I have just some so happens potions. that I'm only at two hit points. He takes you over to his table, and he pulls out some healing potions, gives them to you, and you take them, and you feel much better. A lot of those cuts and wounds on your body and the exhaustion seeps out of you as you take in this potion, and it immediately makes you feel better. Are the wounds on my heart gone? No, those will never heal. Oh, great. That's so wonderful. So you and your father step out and you travel across Fallen Grove. It's difficult knowing that your friend is dead, that Lark is dead, the knowledge that Guy is dead, that you don't know where Sir Vance is, you don't know where Jim is, you don't know what Atonia did with him. You're traveling, but at the same time, it, it, is, it is refreshing to have this time with your dad as you travel across Fallen Grove. Do we get to uh, a ferryman? Yes. You guys do go to the same ferryman. You see Trindle there, but this time they give you a ride across. I'm going to be honest. I feel like Kellen is just kind of not letting go of Irma, but I think Kellen misunderstood his first encounter with Trindle and that maybe it was a sign that, you know, there's still hope that he can find someone for himself. Sure. You don't spend a lot of time with her. Your dad's in a hurry as soon as you'll get no, there and you I travel know. across, but... Maybe you all talk a little bit. You apologize for your behavior last time, you know, puking on her face and stuff. Yeah. 
you and your father travel through Fallen Grove. The journey goes pretty quickly because you all are moving as fast as you can, but at the same time, it's relaxing, it's refreshing. I would say Kellen is really deep thinking about. Yeah, I was going to say you've had a lot of time to think now about what the heck just happened. Everything that went on to think about Guy. To actually think Guy is gone. To think about Larrick. Yeah. Not just the fact that he is gone, but that it was Servance that dealt him a killing blow. I think Kellen, not that he has PTSD or anything like that, but he, he's got something close to it. You know, I mean, what? Kellen's like 20-something? Just fought a flipping dragon? Two of his friends died? Every night, you do tend to relive the memories of the worst parts of it all. You see oh. as the explosion goes off inside the tree. You see as Larrick is lying there with two swords in his chest. You see as you take the head off of Dim Varga and then the stone somehow transforming that shadowy, draconic figure, headless, it rises from her corpse and flies off into the sky. You see these things again and again. You relive them and you begin to feel the heaviness of a burden. After some time, you all travel through, and as you approach the canopy, you begin to notice that, unlike last time where the air became rich and you felt at peace, the closer you get to the canopy, the more you begin to feel a sort of tense quality to the air. The trees begin to look more sparse. You see a lot of trees with no leaves on them. Even though this close to the canopy, the weather maintains a pretty persistent autumn-like quality. The leaves don't fall off the trees. They just stay orange and red and and those colors that you associate with fall. But as you're getting closer to the canopy, you're seeing that many of these trees have died. Oh my gosh. And that last day of travel, you come upon it. You remember going down into that valley... There were small creeks and rivers running through it, and there were gigantic trees with a thick canopy overhead that you couldn't even see through. Now it looks like a war zone. Most of those trees are either broken down or just completely torn up by the roots. The central tree, the one that was grown up through the Corrine, that was split in the center that the Corrine was built upon, where you guys stepped through the portal into the grove, has been pulled up by its roots and is strewn about the canopy. There are buildings and wood, pieces of those woven streets everywhere, and there are people, more people than you have seen together in a long time, including when you guys were at the canopy. Elves, gnomes, halflings, humans. You're not sure, but you think you might even see a few high elves here and there. Dwarves, people from all walks of life are here They're searching through the canopy, they're digging out the rubble, and they're seeking for survivors. Kellen just seriously falls on his knees and puts his hands on his head. He cannot believe what he's seeing. Grununcle stands there with his hand on your shoulder. I know, son, it's, uh, I never thought we'd see this. We left. This is, this is what happened. This is what happened when he pushed me through the portal. This is. There's nothing you could have done, son. I know. Look, we uh, we just got we've got to find your mother. You're right. You're right. 
Let's go find mom. Get up and you start walking forward and it's not very long at all before you hear the melodious voice of Elamir come floating across as you hear her talking to other people, giving orders and helping as they're searching around for people and trying to clean this place up. I want to run up to where she won't even see me until I actually hug her. Okay. You come up behind her and hug her right from the side. She never sees you come. You've always been sneaky. About sneaky. It. Yeah. And she, oh, she looks down seeing you there. Kellen? Yes, mom, I'm back. I'm alive. She falls to her knees and just wraps her arms around you and she squeezes so tight it's like the last hug. Mom! Kellen, I thought you were dead. No, mom. I'm Kellen, we've <laughs> been searching for you. What? She looks at Grenuncle. Grenuncle's just standing there grinning. Grenuncle, how... Where did you find him? He just walked in, honey. I was there in his room, about to leave. He just walked in. He he wasn't here. He he's been through a lot. Mom, I've got I've got to tell you so much. There's it could probably provide some light of what happened here. She takes you to the side and she takes a break from working at the canopy. Everyone else just goes on and they they understand what's going on. They know she's been looking for you for some sign of you now for weeks. And, you all step aside, you go over to a place where they've got like some tents set up with some food and things, and you all take some seats, and you tell her everything. You tell her about your journey. You tell her about the nightmares. You tell her about the canopy and coming here, and you tell her about looking for Lorik and then going and meeting up with your grandfather. And... I show her my leaf guard armor. Yes. And then you tell her about the when it happened. You tell her about the attack and how that Elavonre shoved you through the opening in the portal and if that's the last thing you know about this. She asks about Lorik, and she asks about Cervantes. And you tell her all about that as well. Of course, excluding one key part of the story. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, Kellen. I, uh, you've already suffered so much in such a short life that you've lived. I'm, I'm sorry about your friends. I'm sorry about Guy. He was such a kind soul. Yeah. And Lorik, he had such a fire in him. I know that I've told you, and I made him a promise after it was all over as we were leaving that I would tell his story of how he really saved us. And I believe that I know how I'm going to spread it. How is that? I'm going to Vent Haven, Mom. I'm going to go to Vent Haven, and I'm going to find his father. Now, Kellen, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't think that's a good idea. W why, Kellen? You, you've been gone for so long. Yes, Kellen, your father's right. You've, you've been adventuring for so long now. We need your help. Look at the canopy; it's destroyed. Our people need your help. I know, and I, I'm not saying that I won't come back and help. I'm just saying that I made him this promise, and. Until I fulfill that promise, I don't believe that my journey will be over with. Kellen, don't don't take this the wrong way, but I, maybe I'm wrong, but I sort of got the impression when you all were there with us that you and Lark, well, that you weren't that close. We weren't until we got to the canopy. And I may have thought the whole entire time that he was just a stuck up high elf that 
thought he was better than everyone else. But when it come down to the very last moment, till his very last breath, he risked everything he had for his friends. And even though I'm not risking death or, or something like that for him right now, I'm still risking what I can give to him, even though he's not here with us. Kellen, we... We won't tell you what you can and can't do. You're your own man. You can you can do as you feel is right. And if you feel that you need to go to Venthaven, then you can. I don't know what you hope to do when you get there. Who will you tell? Did Lorik have family there? He did. Yes, I remember him speaking some about the Darkbolt name and... About his father. Yes, he, he was of some importance. Is his father... I guess maybe he was an important figure in Venthaven? Yes. No one's going to thank you, Kellen. I didn't really expect them to. Lork wasn't that type, and honestly, I think he was more of a watered-down version of most of the High Elves. So I guarantee you that I won't get any thanks from any of them at all. Don't think too harshly of a people. They have been through much. But I think that they'll welcome you. Enough, I can't speak for Lork's family, but Venthaven... I've always heard is a very beautiful city. So over the next couple of days while you're there in the canopy helping your parents with everything, what do you do? Um, I feel like I really focus on rescue missions, mm -hmm. just searching. Okay. I sometimes find children. You look for anyone in particular? Uh, I'm looking for my grandpa, but I'm also looking for uh, Polya. Irma's mom. Yeah, Irma's mom. She's actually there. She's not hurt too bad. Um, I mean, most people had sustained some injuries when the canopy fell because it didn't just get attacked by the beast, which you now know to have been the dragon, right? Yeah. When the dragon attacked at the center, when it, I mean, that's exactly where it struck, and you've learned that over the last couple of days, that it struck the Corrine, like the actual building itself where you all were that's why you heard that loud resounding boom is that's the place it struck first the arch druid is nowhere to be found nobody what about nina nothing. nina didn't make it or times man you do know that the apprentice of your grandfather the one that was helping keep the force filled up nephile yeah he's gone he is gone looking for the arch druid elsewhere in fallen grove he's leading the searching parties but, unfortunately, Nina was one of the confirmed casualties. No! Yeah. That sucks. But you do find Holly there. She's fine. She's helping out. Still no word from Josset? After I've searched for everybody and kind of, I sit down one night and uh, I, I prepare myself mentally. I gather together some materials and stuff and I begin to call forth my beast companion charlie so you go through the usual rituals everything that you know your mom actually helps you out some since she's there you all can do it a little more quickly without as much trouble and uh charlie appears just as he always does there is a sort of portal that appears there are these leaves blown about and there's charlie as charlie steps through you immediately realize that he is back to his normal form. He's no longer the... He's no longer Super Bear. Yeah, he's no longer the larger form of Charlie, and he can't speak to you just naturally the way that he could when you all were inside the grove. So Charlie comes walking out, and he looks happy to see you. 
Charlie, how I I cast speak with animals. <laughs> uh, hello, Kellen. Hello. It's good to see you. So, Charlie, um, that last fight. Was oh a pretty yes. Big one, one that. I'm sorry that I wasn't much help there, Kellen. I tried, but that dragon creature was quite frightening. Yeah. Where is Servants and Lorik, the rest of them? Jim? Guy? I honestly, Charlie, don't have a clue where uh, Jim and Servants are. I um, see. Yeah. W- what of Lorik and Guy? Are, are they with you? Are they here? No. Um, they didn't make it. You... What do you mean? They... They fell? Charlie's head dips, his nose just a couple inches from the ground, and he closes his eyes, and you can hear him sort of humming in his chest a little bit. You you realize that Charlie is mourning. I, I walk up to Charlie, and I'm, like, hugging him, and I'm like, it's all right. It's like we knew what we signed up for, and it, it's terrible to think about it that way, but it happens. It happens to all of us, you know. What what will we do now, Helen? Well, I made a promise. I intend on keeping it. Me and you are heading to Venthaven. To Venthaven? Yes. Isn't that where Lorik was from? Exactly. Lorik, in his final moments, used everything he had and even gave up his life to save us. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell his family and all of his friends of what he did. Ah. That is a noble cause, Kellen. I will gladly accompany you anywhere, Kellen. You are my friend. And I am yours. And I have... I also want to take care of something, Charlie. What's that? I believe it is now time for you to be called Sir Charles. Sir Charles? Yes, what I like Charlie just fine. Why why should we go with Sir Charles? Cause it'll give you more of a title and possibly give you some respect of all the other characters. Well, I believe I get plenty of respect for my sheer size and bariness. Exactly. But imagine your bariness combined with Sir. Sir Bariness. Sir Charles Bariness. If this pleases you, Kellen, then I'm fine with it, but Yes! You can... Kellen, like, excitedly pulls out his sword. When we're and alone... goes... Oh, okay. I knight thee, Sir Charles. And every... he does this in front of everybody. Okay. So... So he has, like, a little ceremony for Charles? Yes. Charles. <laughs> I've already started calling him Charles. So he, like, looks at... He's like, everyone gather in! I, Kellen, knight thee, Sir Charles Bariness. And he does the whole thing where... Yeah, he... Yeah. That's the naughty ceremony. Charles. Charles. <laughs> Charlie roars. A powerful roar. Can we roll to see how everybody thinks? Like a performance roll? Sure, yeah. Roll me a performance Yeah, okay. Roll. It's a 15. Okay, so that's pretty good. Um, it goes very well. There's some clapping. Everybody likes Charlie. But later when you all are alone and you're speaking with him, because I, I assume that while you're just in a place where you're not necessarily needing all your spells all the time, you keep a pretty steady flow of speak with animals. Yeah, because I'm... And he, he says, if it's all right with you, Kellen, when it's just us, you can still call me Charlie. Yes, I mean, 
I'm uh, not too big for that yet. No, I know, I know. But you will be, eventually. We'll be super awesome people, eventually. But, so, we probably should get going. You know, it's, uh, it, I think it's the last night here, and I think we should head towards Event Haven. As you wish, Kellen. So, the two of you get your rest, gather your things. The next morning, you say your goodbyes. Your mom and your dad are there. Holly is there. Different ones, friends that you've made over these last few days working to help all the people who've been hurt or lost their homes in the canopy. And you set out. You head south, along with your trusty companion and friend, Sir Charles, the bear. And you head toward Vent Haven to keep your promise to your friend. Hello, listeners. As you may have already noticed, you're listening to the epilogue episode from Season 1. We wanted to give you all this episode to sort of tie up some loose ends, maybe? Or maybe we just wanted to ask more questions. I don't know. Either way, we hope that you have already enjoyed this first segment where we tell you what's going on with Kellen after the finale. Man, we are all still reeling from the finale. Everything that came out of that, the Q&A... All of the Twitter reactions we've had, the emails, the support from the community has been just utterly fantastic. And I want to be the first one to say, we love you. Thank you for being so awesome. So before we get on with the rest of the epilogue, a couple of announcements. First of all, we just picked up our first sponsor. Yeah. So that is really awesome for us. I know that maybe some of you out there in listener land are thinking, uh oh, here we go. They're going to start loading us down with all kinds of ads with about dumb things no one cares about. Our promise to you is to do our very best to ensure that anything that we advertise on this show is something that we think is relevant to our listener base, to our audience. And I think that you all are going to like our sponsor. You'll hear from them hopefully in the first episode of season two. Secondly, you may have noticed that I'm doing this in the middle of the episode, since we are picking up an advertiser in addition to BattleBards, who has been, in a way, sponsoring us now for quite some time. We will have to do those sort of things in a mid-roll sequence, so I hope that that doesn't break the flow of the episode too much for you guys. It really is going to help us so much with the show. I mean, we're not raking in the cash, okay? We're just hoping to bring in enough of a small revenue to make the show self-sustained, to cover all of our hosting costs, the cost of website hosting and podcast hosting, et cetera, et cetera. And we want to be able to do more of that and put more of that stuff up for you all. And this is going to make that possible. And none of this would be possible without your support. So to show our appreciation for that, there's a couple things we're going to be doing from now on. During this mid-roll sequence, we are going to read a five-star review posted by you guys each week. We have quite a few that we have not read so far. I'm not sure exactly how we're going to handle that. We may actually read two or three every once in a while just to try and make sure that everyone that has left us one gets that shout out on the show. So be listening for that. And if you want to have your review read on the show, just go to iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know about that. Okay. Also, we're going to be doing some giveaways as soon as we launch Season 2, we'll give you some information on that. 
If you haven't signed up for our emailing list on the website, makebelieveheroes.com, go do that, and you'll be the first to know all the details about the giveaway. Oh, and one more thing. We did not have a chance to get to all of your questions in the Q&A episode. So what I plan to do in order to make sure that everyone gets their fair share of time is for the next few episodes, the first few episodes of season two, at the end of the episode, I'm going to ask a question that you all gave us, and we're going to give our answer. So for the foreseeable future, at the end of every episode, if you're interested, there's going to be a sort of short little five minutes and under fireside Q&A answer type thing where we address those questions we didn't get to in the Q&A episode. So if your question got shortchanged or we just didn't have a chance to get to it, stay tuned to season two. We're going to answer those questions and hopefully some of them just might get answered right now in this episode. So before I go, two things. First, go to BattleBards.com. Try out a BattleBards Prime subscription with the code MBHPODCAST if you want to help out our show and try out BattleBards awesome audio. Secondly, we had a review recently from Artisan1 on iTunes. The review is titled, Finally, Some Clean D&D. I don't know exactly where these guys game, but I want to take a road trip and sit in on a sesh. That's what they said. That's not me paraphrasing. S-E-S-H. Sesh. They're funny, relatable, into their characters, but also don't feel the need to cuss every other word. I enjoy Not Another D&D Podcast, and I've seen every episode of Crit Roll and Talks, but still, it's nice to be able to listen to a podcast at work every once in a while. Thank you, Artisan One. We made a very conscious decision to keep this show clean. We're glad that you appreciate that. We appreciate that you appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you for the review. And let's get back to the rest of the story. Sir Vance, you step through this bright white gate. And for a moment, there's just bright light all around you. But then everything starts to clear up and you find yourself in a familiar place. You're surrounded by trees. There are fruit growing on these trees, and you recognize this as the orchard just outside the Temple of Pelor in Branchar. The same place where all those years ago, High Cleric Glaron spoke with you, and you agreed to become a paladin of Pelor. It's dark outside, but behind you there is this bright gate you don't notice anyone around, but after a few seconds, say short figure steps out from behind you with her brown shoulder-length hair there, coffee-colored skin, who you obviously recognize as the goddess Atonia. And she says to you, Well, Paladin, I guess this is where I leave you. Uh, you're welcome for the free and quick transportation. Of course, I won't be able to do this for you again, but just this once. We'll just keep it our secret, Okay. I guess I'll see you later. And she turns to walk back toward the gate. I stab her. You draw a sword? I stab. You really try to stab her? Yeah. I will just lay guy down on the ground and then lunge forward with my sword. So you draw a weapon and lunge at her with it? Yes. I mean, roll it. Okay. That's a 17 plus... Plus your attack bonus. 24. You swipe your sword at her. And nothing happens. <laughs> Are you angry? Yes. 
she turns on the spot and the sword just stops a few inches from her face, like right in front of her face. She just looks at you with this dumbfounded look. For a second, she looks like she's going to be angry, but then she just lets out a sigh. <sighs> Paladin, I don't understand why you're taking out your frustrations on me. Because you could have done something, but you did nothing? You can see when you say that, that uh, it definitely bothers her that you're saying these words. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's hard to get a beat on her, how she's feeling. Her, her expressions are a little different, you know, from what you're accustomed to, you know, her being a goddess and all. But you can definitely tell that your words cut her a little bit. Human, don't pretend that you understand what it's like to be one of the gods, I could... No. I couldn't have stopped this, Vance. I don't see how. You just showed up. Well, I don't have to explain myself to you, do I? Now, I did help. You're right. I showed up. I helped you. You were going to die in that place because... Well, because of what happened, my grove is currently in the process of tearing itself apart. So... Forgive me for trying to help you and your friends the best that I could. Now, I've brought you back home. Is this not where you wanted to be? Mm. I don't know where I want to be anymore. Well, look, I, I, don't, I don't really have time to be your shoulder to cry on, I guess. So, I'll tell you what. If you want to be somewhere else, then now's your chance. Anywhere in the world. She looks down at Guy... I'm sorry about your friend. Demvarga was a loose cannon. I had no idea that she was doing any of this. So yeah, if you want to go somewhere else, I'll take you there right now. Any anywhere you want to be. I just figured this was the best place since, you know, it's your home. And, well, even though you're no longer a paladin, from the way things seem, just from a glance at you, I thought maybe you'd want to be here. But if there's somewhere else you'd like me to send you, then I can do that right now. This is your one chance. Do you know anything about resurrection? You say that, her eyes get sort of big, and she says, Resurrection. Mortals always looking to turn back. You know, my husband, he created death as the next step. It's not supposed to be like this. She looks pensive for a moment. She's sort of tapping herself on the lip, looking down at the ground. There is a way to resurrect someone, yes. Are you really going to be as cliche as that? I don't think it's a cliche. Sorry, uh, I'm not trying to be, you know, insensitive. I know that your friend is dead. Poor guy. But I'll tell you, if you're seeking resurrection, it's... It's, it's not a... It's a long and arduous path. My advice would be that you just move on. Take this poor boy back to his family. Let them bury him and mourn him. And just move on with your life. But, if it's resurrection you're looking for, I might can help you out a little. And as she says that, she gets a little bit of a mischievous grin on her face. But it would have to be our little secret... I can keep a secret. Okay. Well, I'm not going to do it for you. I can't. That would be no fun at all. But I'll tell you what I will do. 
I'll take your friend here, she says, pointing at Guy. What are you going to do with him? Well, you see, the thing about resurrections is that there's sort of a short time limit on how long these things can work. So I can take your friend and I can place his body in a place where it will not deteriorate. And while you go on your adventure seeking for the necessary components and such to bring him back, I'll keep his body safe and sound and timeless. <laughs> uh, well, do it. Human, are you sure you want to do this? I'll go and pick up the body and reach it to her. She stands there for a moment, looks at you with one eye squinted, tapping a foot. Okay. And she snaps her fingers. And when she does, Guy just disappears in an instant, in a flash. He'll be waiting for you. In the meantime, I suggest you go looking in Vinhaven. Take me there. You want me to take you to Vinhaven now? Yes. Well, I said one favor. I've taken your buddy. So really? Okay, fine. Look, um, just step through the gate and you'll be... Yeah, you'll be around Venthaven, she says with a smirk. What should I look for? Oh, information. If you're looking for information, my sister, she's a prude. Let's get real. And she doesn't like me any very much. We don't get along. But if you're looking for information, that's the place to go. And if you're looking for magic, that's the place to go. And if you're looking to resurrect someone, you need information and magic. I've heard there's some people there that have some dark secrets, things that they don't advertise, and if you're looking for that particular spell, I'd say you can find it there. Hmm. And before you ask, yes, of course, I could just resurrect him for you, but I'm not going to do that. That would get me in trouble. In trouble with who? With my husband, hmm. aforementioned God of Death. Yeah, and we, you know, we've had plenty of lovers' quarrels, if you will, but nothing... No, I can't. I can't do that. Sorry. So, are you going? I walk through the gate. You step up to the gate? Yep. She says, be careful, and she gives you a little kick to the rear as you step through, and you sort of stumble through the gate, and there's that bright light again, and when you step through, you've never been to Vent Haven, so you're not really sure what it looks like, but you don't think this is it. You're in a jungle. Amazing. I mean, you know, you just came out of Fallen Grove, a lot of traveling through Fallen Grove, and that's that's a very heavily forested area. But this is a jungle. I mean, it is hot and sticky. The air around you is thick. There are strange sounds coming from all around you, and it's raining a little bit it seems like it almost seems like it's always raining here if you were to guess there's just a constant trickle of water coming from the canopy of leaves high above you but everything is exotic and wild and there's no sign of a city or anything like it in sight hmm. and the gate behind you closes with a little pop I reach onto my shirt and rip mm -hmm. off the Design that has the son of Paler on it. 
toss it on the ground and just walk forward. Jeez. You walk forward. You're going through this thick, dark forest. Like I said, there's all kinds of strange creatures. You see lots of weird-looking reptiles or amphibians. It's hot and sticky, and you're sweating. You're walking forward. You're tired. Honestly, you're exhausted. You know, you are not in tip-top shape by any stretch of the imagination. You've endured a lot these last few days. Your mind is racing. You're not sure where you are. You're not sure which way you're going. So roll me a survival check. <laughs> That's a one. <laughs> a natural one? Yeah, yeah. Let me just double check. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> natural one. That's a one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What a way for surveillance to die. <laughs> you go to the jungle and you die. You die. Suddenly, 30 panthers. Is this Jumanji? <laughs> Yes, it is. 30 panthers jump out. No. You are wandering through the forest, and the heat is really starting to get to you. You're thirsty, and you know, you're know you drinking what you can find from the water that's falling down. You're trying to get some cupped into your hands and drinking it, but it's just not doing it for you. As much as you're sweating, you're not getting enough back into your system. About this time, you realize you have no idea what happened to Kellen or to Jim. I mean, you assume that Atonia took them somewhere else mm -hmm. when she took you here and to Branchar, but right now you'd really like to have that uh, decanter of endless water. Say that. <laughs> you're walking, you're walking, and you're starting to get cramps. You're starting to get a little bit paranoid. You know what I mean? It, it, what it is is it's it's dehydration setting in quickly because of how hot it is here. It's like you're in a sauna. You're walking through, and, and at first you're walking in one direction, you're trying to just stick to that. But after a while, you don't realize it, but you're sort of walking in circles. You're stumbling through the forest. You're hurt. You're probably still bleeding from several wounds. And after a time, you have to sit down and take a rest. Let's take a rest. You sit down. You take a short rest. What do you do? You find a tree to lean against. What do you look for? Yeah, I would just find a tree and lean against it. Maybe wrap any wounds with my ripped shirt or something. You stumble through the forest until you can't stay on your feet any longer and you trip over a root. When you do, you land in a mushy part of nasty dirt and you just sort of crawl up against this tree and lean against it. You start to look over your body and you find minor cuts and you, you go to dig through your pack to find bandages start packing them up, trying to patch up your wounds, and after a few moments without really realizing it, you fall asleep. And you die. And then you die of dehydration. No. <laughs> As you're sleeping, you fall into a fitful rest. You keep reliving some of the more horrific moments from the last 24 hours. You see Saluan transforming before your eyes. You see her as Dimvarga thrusting her arms into the tree. You see Lorik looking at you and saying, Saluan's the only one who's ever done anything for me. You see him cast magic missile. You see Guy hit the ground. And then you see him back up again, casting spells at you, his eyes rolled black. But this time as that's happening, he's, he's speaking to you. He's asking you, Vance, help me. Vance, 
help me. And then you see yourself standing there with two swords down into Lorik's chest, his eyes cold. And you wake up in a fit. <gasps> it's it's different now. It's darker. It was dark before, but it was just very dim light, whereas now it's, it's very dark. Mm -hmm. You're having trouble seeing around you. Your head is throbbing. I mean, it's pounding. And you realize that if you don't find something soon, some water or something, that you're possibly not going to make it. Okay. So I'm going to get up and see if I can find any water, any okay. thing to eat. Give me a survival check. It's a 15. Okay. So you find some rations in your bag as you're getting up some, some things that you typically would keep with you. And you eat it, but it's not helping that much. You you really need water. Yeah. You've sweat so much. And so you start walking and walking. And this time, you don't know where water is. You don't know how to find it. This terrain is completely foreign to you. But you just pick a direction and start walking in it. You're pretty sure you're heading south. You know that Venthaven is on the south coast. And so if Atonia puts you anywhere near it, you're hoping that south is the way to go. And you start walking south. And you walk for a half an hour, you walk for an hour, your your head is pounding and you're feeling ill and shaky. And after what seems like ages of walking, you come to an opening in the forest. And up ahead of you is this structure. It is very strange. And you've been struggling to see this whole time as dark as it is without dark vision, but in this clearing there is an unusual amount of moonlight and you can see the stars overhead and it is a large sort of open clearing in the middle of this forest and standing in the middle of it is what looks sort of like a pyramid except it's not pointed on the top, it's it's a ziggurat you see what I'm saying, it's flat like a lot of the buildings you would see uh, like the ancient buildings you'd see built in South America and things. Like you know an Aztec pyramid? Yes. It's standing there looming high above you. And the stone that it's crafted from is, I mean, it's dark out, but you can tell it's a, like a slate black stone. And it's covered with moss and vines and things like that. But around it is what looks like a small lake. Like it's built up in the center of this lake. So I'm going to go to, I'm going to look and see if there's anyone around or if it's just the... You can give me a perception check. It's not very good. It's an eight plus whatever. Yeah, you're not exactly on your game. I mean, you're, your head is throbbing, it's dark, you're exhausted, and you're dying of thirst. So yeah, I'm just going to go toward the water. You rush toward the water. It doesn't look particularly fresh, but it also doesn't look rancid. You know, it's not stagnant. It looks, it looks like, like water. Yeah, it looks like there's water coming from somewhere. And if you <laughs> run up, you don't worry too much about it. You just hop down and start chug-a-lugging, right? Mm-hmm. You start scooping it up and drinking as much as you can. And it does taste sort of green, if that makes sense. <laughs> but you're instantly refreshed. You're still not fixed, and you're still tired, and you're still 
cramping and you're still shaking, but after a few good gulps and then some time, you start to clear up. Your head starts to clear up a bit. And you look up and you see this thing before you, this monolith, this ziggurat. What do you do? I'm going to climb it. You walk around and there is a pathway that sort of grown over top of the small moat-like lake that leads to it. You walk along this pathway and there are old, ancient even, stone steps leading upward. And you climb the steps? Yes. You go up and it's there's sort of an opening cut into this thing. It's got like a roof over top of it and there it's it's like an entrance cut into the side of this large structure with a roof over top of it and you step up the top of the steps and as you crest the top underneath it is just utter darkness you can't really see anything inside so I pull out a torch and my tinder kit Okay, you pull your torch and tinder kit out you light it and as the flame ignites on the torch you see what looks like a sort of stone table like a large stone table underneath it and standing beside it leaning over with their elbow on the side of the table and their head in their hand almost like they were dozing off is a strange figure something unlike you've ever seen before he's male he has pointed ears like an elf he's dressed in mostly dark clothing something that would be easy to blend into the night. But the thing that is so striking is that as you light your torch, he turns and looks up at you, and his eyes are purple. And his skin is as black as night. (laughs) And he says, Well, well, it looks like I have a visitor. You step out of the bright white gate. It's humming along behind you. You expected to step in and much like when you traveled through the gate into the grove to shortly thereafter step into another plane. But you find that seconds pass and then about a minute has passed and you are still just surrounded by this bright white light. You're standing, but you feel like you're, I don't know, like there's your feet have no purchase. There's nothing that you can feel beneath your feet. It's almost like you're hovering somewhere. And after a few moments, you feel as you sort of land on a flat surface. You're still in this brightly lit area where you're essentially surrounded by light from all directions. And then you hear a sort of ping and the room takes shape around you. It's less like the room takes shape and more like your eyes finally adjust to it. And you are in a place that you don't think you've ever been before. And stepping up beside you is Atonia. Jim pauses for a minute, kind of gets the lay of the land, tries to 
figure out where he is and what's going on and he kind of bows his head a little and says so what do we do now what can i do well that's a good question jim i'm curious about you so for now you're going to stay with me okay okay that's that's better than uh and i could have expected how do you mean after what i've done after what she did through me I I shouldn't be spared the wrath of the the gods. You feel as she reaches up and places her hand on the soft part of your arm just above the elbow. She says, Come on, Jim. Let's go have some tea. Would you like some tea? Yes, tea sounds sounds good right now. And she begins to lead you forward, and as she does, the essentially blank area all around you. I mean, it's just white in every direction. It starts to take form, like you're stepping along in this blank area where there's no point of perspective, there's no horizon. And then suddenly, it's like you've stepped into this cabin. Wood cabin, very natural look to it. There's a thick rug on the floor that looks like a green moss, sort of. And there's a little table off to the side that's carved. And everything just looks very woodsy. And Atonia steps over there. There's a fireplace with a teapot over it. And it's already whistling. She steps over to the teapot. She picks it up. And she begins pouring into some little teacups set on the table. There's a spot for her with a taller stool there that she kind of hops up onto. And then there's a seat to her left there for you to sit next to her. Please, Jim, ha- have a seat. Let's let's talk. Jim sits down, sips the tea. She sips the tea with you. Same cup. Yes, from the other side. <laughs> no, that's all. This is awkward. <laughs> no, she sips her tea gingerly. Is uh, is the tea good? It's. Is it? Yes. In fact, it's. <laughs> Probably the best tea you've ever had. Yes, this is uh, this is the best tea I've ever had. Now imagine if you were having tea from the person that literally created tea leaves. It's like if I had tea from the person who literally <laughs> created tea leaves. Is that is that you? Did you create tea leaves? Well, I mean, I I guess I made the trees. So yes, I guess I did make the tea leaves, Jim. Tea leaves grow on trees? I haven't studied agriculture no, much, but... No, not. I'm saying I made... Jim, I made all the plants. Oh, okay. Yes. The trees, you know, all the plants. That was me. Well, you have my thanks, and Jim sips another tea. Your friendly or... neighborhood nature goddess. Wow. You're, you're a neighborhood goddess. I thought you were kind of worldwide. Jim... Is it going to be hard to have a conversation with you? Is this? Are you going to make it hard for me the whole way? Yes, but only because of the one playing you. <laughs> uh, Jim, let me start off by saying that... Well, I'm sorry about what happened. Well, uh, I'm very sorry myself. What I... I should have... I don't know. I was naive. 
I can't really relate with your motivations, Jim. I, my sister's always been the one who's all about knowledge and wisdom. She, I'm, I've always been more of a free spirit. I like to live life, and enjoy, you know, a good cup of tea and have fun, let loose, just break free, you know? Stop with all these rules and regulations and Oh, yes, me me too. That's that's one of the reasons why I left I left Venthaven and the College of Magic there because learning and knowledge and wisdom, all of that is freeing. But there it was. It's it's hard to the shackles I put on myself in that pursuit. It's hard to argue that anymore. Yeah, but doesn't doesn't that stuff just ever just get boring? Oh no. I mean, you said it yourself, you created the trees and the leaves, but yet there's still an order to that. What you created is brilliant and beautiful and made for our enjoyment, and I enjoy it greatly. But as I do, the more I learn of it, for some learning, they turn it into some sort of clinical cataloging of data and uh, just bare facts. But that's not what I seek. That's why I didn't want Well, yeah, Uh, Charlie. Bears. Yeah, is Charlie okay? Anyway, I'll... I'll Charlie's okay. I mean, Kellen will probably call him back eventually. Yeah, that's another fascinating thing. But for me, it's not about just knowing these things to check off and put down in a book. It's about the interconnectedness of it. It's about how it relates to the greater truths, to the gods, to you. She sips her tea. Jim, what did Dimvarga promise you? She promised me the truth of creation. What really happened, where everything comes from, why everything works the way it does, the the one uncaused cause. Jim, everything came from the gods. Told you, we made the tree, I made the trees, Baylor made the sun and the fields. But where did the gods come from? She sips her tea again and she is silent passing toward an awkward amount of silence you know Jim sometimes it's better not to know something well a younger me would have disagreed vehemently but given the events of the past few days I past few years really now that I can remember past few centuries Wow, it's still hard to fathom what I've missed, what I've become, or what I was, and then wasn't, and then now am again. In any case, given the, given what's come to pass, you may be right. There's no, uh, no mincing words about it, Jim. You've played part to some dark things. I don't deny it. It's true. Regardless of whether or not you are in control of your own body and your own senses, the fact is, people have died. And, well, now something much worse has occurred. And you went along with it. I did. To my great shame. And for knowledge. Just to know something. Yes, but to the... I make no excuse for myself. It was... I thought I could help others with that knowledge, but I was blind. I was blinded, and I i was wrong. I did 
I did this, and is there anything I can do to... I know I can't undo what I've done, but... She reaches forth and she places a hand on your wrist where you're holding the teacup in your hands, and she says, Jim, let me make this clear. It's not your fault what happened. Yes, you did play a part. You made a foolish mistake. You... Well, you know, the Drake and Kelly used to be the most trustworthy beings in existence. We used to call them the faithful, myself and the other three, because their faith in us was unwavering. The closest thing that exists now to their faith then is the dwarves and their devout worship of my husband. But... The Drake and Kelly, the dragons, they were our friends. Or, well, they were supposed to be. And just like you made a mistake, Jim, I made a mistake. Can the gods make mistakes? She chuckles, (laughs) but the grin on her face is sort of hollow. Yes, we've made a lot of mistakes, Jim. So many mistakes. But... This is probably my worst one. To be honest, I never really knew for sure what happened to Dimbarga. I thought she had probably died. She was always so sneaky, so good at hiding. I mean, that was why I loved her so much. That's why she was such a useful asset. But I I hurt her. And because of that, she has spent the last few millennia is in some dark corner planning her revenge on me and now your friends have paid the price for that and I am very sorry as am I what now I'll tell you what Jim you can ask me any question that you'd like and I'll answer it what was the stone except that Okay, okay, what what can we do to fix this? I don't need to know the whys. That was, sorry, that was the old me. Jeez. Jim, you ask the hard questions. Those are the only ones worth asking. The stone is our greatest secret. And I can't tell you what it is. I just told you I hate rules. There are really only two rules that the gods live by and those two rules were both put in place by the four of us we agreed on them we set them in motion and without an agreement from all four of us we can't break them or at least I can't the first is regarding the stone I'll tell you this if the stone is not recovered and the wrong people get it, then we are in big, big trouble. Regarding what we can do to stop it, well, we gotta find that stone. And the thing about Dim Varga is she called herself the Shapeless. She called herself that because if she didn't want to be found, there's nothing in existence that could find her. She was our spy. She was the best when it came to subtlety and sneak and her corpse 
And when she says that she she's overcome a little bit with emotion, you can tell. It was inhabited by that thing, that black, black stone. And now I, I can't see it anywhere. And you see, the other rule of the gods is we agreed a long time ago that the world, that Manumi, that our creation would be better off without us in it. But these great matters that are occurring now with without you, without before, how how can we hope to overcome whatever trial is coming, is here? I hear you, but the fact is, I, I can't do anything about it. I don't have that power. Maybe Pelor, but he and I, we don't really speak much. The fact is, we agreed to keep our distance, and we have bound ourselves to that law. We do not interfere. Sure, we bless the rains down in Africa. Sorry. You need to stop. That's sending hurricanes our way. <laughs> sure. You know, we bless the rains, and we we give bountiful harvest if people need it, and we, we keep a watchful eye, but there's very little that we can do. We have bound ourselves to this, and without a meeting of all the gods and without an agreement, we can't change that. And, and the fact is, I'm not sure that it's been a long time since we all agreed on anything, Jim. But I am concerned. I, I fear that this, this might be the thing that wakes the rest of them up, that brings us together. We'll see. But what can you do? Jim, I'd like you to find that stone. I will do everything in my power. Do, is, how? I still, as much as I've learned here and as much as I've remembered, I still don't know the first, the first thing to do is that thing that took it. Is that somehow Dim Varga? Is she dead or is that something, some part of her or something else? And do we know where it might be going, where it might be hiding or how to track it? Um, I don't know, Jim, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to look. I'm going to put my ear to the ground, so to speak. And I'm going to try and find it. In the meantime, you may have noticed your power is is leaving you, Jim. Yes, I, I expected as much. Now that the pact has been shattered. I think I can help with that. Oh? She stands up. And she walks over towards you, and she opens her arms, and she gives you a hug. Does Jim accept the hug? He does, but he's moderately shocked, and he says, I'm hugging a god. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> uh, th thank you. And as she's hugging you, you feel this warmth radiating from her. Her skin is, is very, very warm, and you can feel it soaking into you, kind of like a warm fire on a cold day. You feel power envelop you, and it's just a bright, warm, restful hug. And after a second, she lets go and backs up, puts her hands on her hips, sort of tosses her hair to the side, and she says, That ought to do it. What, what what did that do besides make me feel warm and fuzzy? 
Well, I think you'll find that your magic and your powers are just fine. Maybe a little different, but just fine, Jim. Well, I greatly appreciate this. Oh, don't worry. It, it wasn't free. <laughs> I need you oh. to help me find the stone, Jim. That's what you want to do, right? You want to find the stone? Absolutely, but real quick, you're not another manipulator cheater. You're actually Atonia. <laughs> yeah, I'm Atonia. Okay. And this is all real. And I'm sorry. And I'm not going to keep you from your memories, Jim. You will go about on this mission with full knowledge of everything that's occurred at this point, including those things that I'm sure you'd like to forget. Yes. I would like to forget them, but I know I must not. I can't never again. Well, Jim, it's been a long time since I've done anything like this. I just sort of let the druids do their own thing down there, you know? But if you're going to go, and you're going to, so to speak, be my, I don't know, what what's the word? Paladin? <laughs> no, that's, that's Paylor's whole deal. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I've never really liked that word. Let's just say, like, champion. Champion. That sounds dramatic and cool. I will take on this mantle and do my best to live up to the title of champion, Matonia. Great. So, let's get started. Let's. So, first, I think we're going to need to get you some friends. What about Kellen and Sir Vance? God's Loric. Maybe, maybe that's, I don't know. Friends would be good. I could sure use some, and I would love to make up for what, even unintentionally, I was responsible for doing to my other friends. Jim, I don't think they blame you, and it wasn't your fault. You, you were, you were, um, you were misled. You were deceived. I was naive. Well, we've all been naive at some point or another. I know I certainly have. As for Sir Vance, I'm afraid that he... He has lost his way. And I'm not about to get in on that mess. Yeah, it seems more more Paylor's thing. Uh, I don't know where Sir Vance is headed or what he's going to be doing. Uh, I dropped him off somewhere... Well, south. <laughs> I guess you could say. I'll keep an eye on him. And as for Kellen, he's got a family. I think he'll be okay. Is the Archdruid his his grandfather? Is he okay? He's... Elevonre's been the Archdruid for a long, 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 long time. I guess it's time for another one, then. Eh, he, he can ta- <laughs> he's been... He can take care of himself. Let me just put it that way. Okay, just... that's that's better than I, how I interpreted that. Yeah, he did. What? Huh? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's not dead. And maybe he's dead. Let's see. I don't know where to start looking, so... Where do you want to go? I need some time. It's going to take me a minute to get things figured out. To, mm. Like I said, put my ear to the ground, try and get a lead, figure out where that beast went, see if we can find the stone, try and head this thing off at the pass. And I've got a lot to do, so I'm going to try and find a lead... In the meanwhile, I guess you could... I mean, I guess you could just stay here, but it's going to get boring. Is there somewhere Uh, you'd like to be? 
think it may be time to go home to see Venthaven once again. Hmm. Venthaven. Yes, I remembering some of the atrocities that I brought forth upon my people, my my own family there. There are amends I have to make, not just to the world at large, not just to the gods, but to those at home. Hmm. Okay. I'll drop you off. How's that? Sounds good. How? Well, I suppose you'll probably reach me, but how can I reach you? Is, is there a way? Do you hear prayers? Yeah, I can hear prayers. I've never been a big fan, but... Here, take this. And she gives you a totem. And it is in the shape of her triquetra. Very similar to the one that Elevonre gave to Lorik. And, of course, as you hold it, you're reminded of just a few short days ago standing there in the circle in the canopy as Elevonre gave this to Lorik, and you all headed off. Jim looks at the totem in his hand with hints of eyes. Sort of melancholy falls on him, but then he grasps it tightly, holds it to his bosom, and says, Thank you, I will keep this close. Make sure you do. And as long as you've got that, it'll basically superpower your prayers. Anytime you need to reach me, you can. Mm. Do I need to start it anyway? Like, now I lay me down to sleep? Nah, nothing like that. Just sort of hold it and say my name. Atonia. Oh, did it work? You're staying right here in the room with me, Jim. Yeah, but... Okay. Okay, I'll test it out. Well, I won't test it. I'll wait till I need it to use it, because it's, it's you and it's yours, and I'm sure it works fine. I don't want to waste your time. I'm sure you have much to do. And as you're talking, she's just going over to the side of the little cabin that you guys are in, half ig- just ignoring you. <laughs> she's starting to learn that you're going to just keep talking sometimes. So she steps over there, and she raises her hand, and another one of those doorways appears in the air. One-way ticket to Venthaven. So Jim turns to the door, takes a step, turns back to look at Atonia, and then walks on through. Don't get killed. I'll try. Jim, you step through the gate. It's a bright light. And then you step out onto the warm streets of Venthaven. The light of the blue lamps that line the streets shines down on you from around as you look up and you see bright above you a full moon. You're home. Jim House.